Afroverdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Hello, dear listeners. This is your host, Victor Anakin, and you're listening to Afroverdict. Today, I'm joined by Kolekanis Kosana, a leader in the ANC Youth League, who has quite the story to share in regards to his political experience abroad. Him and I are going to talk about African politics, his political career, and the Ukrainian sanctions he is currently under. Kulikani, welcome to Afroverdict. Thanks for having me. Could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Um, my name is Kuleganis Kosana, uh, chairperson of the International Relations Subcommittee of the ANC Youth League National Youth Task Team. All right. From South Africa. Cool. Thanks. And what inspired you to focus on a political career? Um, I, I wouldn't say I was just grabbed by the space. I mean, um, growing up in a township in Mamilodi in Pretoria, um, while in high school, we used to experience a lot of challenges such as shortage of teachers. You know, you'd have to write a test, mathematics, science, and there would not be a teacher. Sometimes would not have water. Um, there would be instances of targeted crime on students when we go to school. So there were certain times where you couldn't walk between home and, and, and school. And, um, you know, the scourge of drugs that um, at the time had infested our community. Uh, and being someone that wanted to succeed academically, because the promise that was made to us is that uh, education is the key to success. So we were yearning for this education. And there were these um, ills of society which were impeding against this dream of um, academia and, uh, you know, passing through school. So um, one time... I came across an organization called the Congress of South African Students, uh, basically a union for high school learners. And they said to us that they are a united group of uh, students who tackle problems that are faced with students. Um, and indeed, when we joined COSAS, we were able to, through 30 schools, which meant that was 30,000 learners. When we make a demand when we're 30,000, it's different from when you make a demand when you are just one pupil. So it taught me the power of organization and the power of unison uh, among young people that when we stand together, we can get the things that we want. Then we were able to get the teachers that we were short of. We were able to confront the criminal gangs ourselves. Um, when I was growing up, there used to be gangs like 501 gang, um, all sorts of names where they would mug uh, learners. But when they know you are associated with, cos with COSAS, they wouldn't uh, touch you. So it was very powerful for me to see the, 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 the strength of young people being united. And since then, I never looked back. I think... Um, a lot of the things that we were faced with in our community were able to resolve them through COSAS. And obviously, COSAS is an affiliate of uh, the African National Congress. Then you get exposed into the space. There are debates around what could be the solutions, because not only did we 
joined this organization to make demands, but we joined it so that we can also suggest solutions to say that if we have a police van patrolling uh, next to our schools every hour, then uh, you won't have uh, drug people trying to sell drugs to kids because police will be visible. And um, what could be the solution to shortages of water, shortages of teachers would come with proposals. So it gave me a voice and a platform. And I then realized that I'm actually a good speaker because I could convince my peers um, through making these arguments. So it's something I've been part of since I was 14 years old. And it really stuck to me. And um, up until today, uh, it's something that I do, but it's not the only thing I do. It's just uh, I've realized that uh, truly in the words of uh, Mahatma Gandhi, you have to be the change that you want to see. So if I want change in my community, I have to be at the forefront of pursuing that change instead of being an armchair revolutionary and complaining uh, without contributing to the solution. So I wouldn't call it a career as such. I would call it activism. I'm a community activist. I'm a patriot. I love my country. I love my people. And considering what we have had to go through for over 300 years of colonialism, uh, it's important that young people such as myself and the rest of us all over the globe um, are connected and we are at the center of the solutions, you know. Um, so yeah, that's basically the background of um, my early beginnings. Well, that's quite the story. Yeah. I've never heard of that gang, actually, though, because uh, down in Cape Town, we've got, what do they call them, the 226, 227, and 228 gangs. Mm -hmm. And those are like the most prominent ones. But I mean, I schooled uh, in a really small town, so we didn't really have that problem per se. We still had the whole drug thing, but it was more, I guess, localized and concerned the sort of say lighter drugs nothing heavy thank god mm -hmm. and would you say that you're interested in politics in general yes um you know the thing about politics is that everything is uh, politics uh, you might not be po interested in politics but politics are interested in you uh you 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 cannot be the biggest group in the country in the world and you allow a situation where decisions are made on your behalf without your your say um, I believe that young people must be interested and involved in politics because politics is where decisions are taken about a country, about a people, about uh, our future. Politicians make laws. Politicians um, legislate um, what becomes a good or bad uh, is as a di direct result of politicians. So uh, the saying goes that politicians are stupid, etc. It's because the brilliant minds that are supposed to be in, interested in politics are too busy doing something else. Um, you may be the smartest uh, scientist or engineer, but ultimately you'll be your boss will, is going to be a politician because if you are in the mining sector. There's a politician who's responsible for minerals and resources, and they might be stupid and you might be brilliant, but you will have to take orders from them as to where are the mineral resources of the country going, where are we mining, where are we not mining, the means of production. So I think it's important that we understand politics as a science, not as um, liars who wear suits and go to parliament and, uh, you know, want votes, but 
as something that is an important instrument. For us to get the power to vote, what was impeding against us was a political situation. And what we have in our country right now in South Africa is political freedom. So why would you um, be conscious of the fact that in 1994 we got political freedom and then not be politically involved? So many people laid down their lives for us to have what we call political freedom. So as a young people, we've got the responsibility, especially in the African continent, to be politically involved. The most prevalent um, uh, use of young people is as instrument of wrong things. It is young people that are recruited into militaries. It is young people that are recruited into militias. It is young people that sell and consume drugs. It is young people that are swallowed by uh, crime. So all of these things um, exist in a political realm. So I am very interested in politics because I've realized that it is not possible for me to stray away from politics. So uh, I'm somebody that instead of decisions being made for me, I want to be part of uh, those decisions and contribute. Nothing for me without me, nothing for young people without young people. So I think as a young person, uh, it is my responsibility and duty to be politically conscious in, and involved. I see. And uh, just a quick question before we move on to the next topic. Why do you believe that engaging with the youth in politics is so essential? Because um, young people are the future. And, uh, you know, in Africa, you find uh, that politicians make big loans uh, in the IMF, uh, World Bank, etc., and they declare wars that will affect us for generations. So if we um, don't involve ourselves, then we are allowing old men who are self-centered to decide uh, the future for us. Um, so it's very important for young people to be involved so that we control the narrative of the future we are going to exist in. If we want to be building a future for our country, for our continent, then we have to uh, be involved in politics. We have to um, close the ranks and um, exist in, in the space and not create a vacuum. And like I said earlier on, young people will be used either way. Uh, and to be silent is also to do something. So if you don't participate in politics, you are actually taking a posture. And there are a lot of people who would prefer that young people do not be involved in politics because young people by their nature are very revolutionary. And if you want to effect change in the country, in the continent, you involve young people. We've got the energy, we've got the passion but we must not allow that passion and imagination to be directed in the wrong way. Um, they enjoy it when we are focused on entertainment, when we're focused on alcoholism, when we're focused on uh, things that have nothing to do with the construction of a society. So um, the future that we want to be part of has to be built by us. And for us to do that, as effectively as possible is to be involved in the political space. Um, and you have to believe in something. Um, you, you know, if you are here and you are alive, you have to believe in something. And if you believe in, 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 in the country, 
and you are patriotic, then you have to um, be involved. Che Guevara teaches us that the revolution is love and um, love is the revolution. You have to be involved in politics because you love your family, you love your country, and you would do anything to protect them and for their prosperity as well. So we are, I don't think we're just here to just work nine to five, build um, the pockets of capitalists. We are here to ensure that everybody gets an equal opportunity in the world. And that statement alone is very political. So whatever the dream that a young person may have, they know they need to know that that has to have revolutionary consciousness and there must be ideology. And like I said, you must believe in something. And what do you believe in? What's your vision for the future of Africa? I believe in African nationalism. I believe in pan-Africanism. I my vision for the continent is African Renaissance, where um, Africa is as prosperous as the mineral resources beneath its soil. Uh, Africa is actually the the biggest donor of the world because everybody gets um, all the rare met, uh, mineral resources from our continent. You know the the steel, the platinum, the gold the diamonds, you name it. They just do so without our permission. Um, nature has blessed our continent so well, but we are not benefiting from the wealth that is possessed by our continent. So um, I would like to see a situation where there is no Europe that is built out of Africa, but there's an Africa that is built out of African wealth. Uh, instead of us as exporting raw material and buying it back as finished goods. Um, you know, Germany, for instance, buys a lot of steel from um, Africa and then go takes it to Germany, uh, bends it a little into a BMW or Mercedes-Benz and sells it, sells it back to Africans at exorbitant amounts. Why can't we be making our own vehicles, our own cell phones, enjoying our own food, just like the Italians do, just like the Europeans do, the Americans? They pride themselves in what would be the identity and culture of their nation. Um, I want to see an Africa where we love ourselves and we are not um, stuck in this Stockholm syndrome where we are obsessed with what would be a, a former colonizer that has not apologized for the atrocities committed in the continent. And yes, indeed, we forgive, but we don't forget. And in forgiving, uh, we need to go somewhere. And that somewhere is an Africa where we rebuild instead of burning our continent further down. I am not quite ecstatic about the fact that there are at least five military coups that have taken place in my continent in the past uh, two years. We know of this current situation in Sudan. Uh, it seems as if Africa is destined for conflict. We need to move away from that narrative. The borders that are in our continent were not drawn by us. There was no African in the Berlin conference. And seemingly there's a new scramble for Africa. And instead of focusing on ourselves, we're focused on who we're giving the continent to next. I think that um, let us learn and take the means of production into our own hands and trade with Europe, uh, the East, 
both and and the West, uh, with in earnest, not to be robbed of our wealth, our mineral resources. We are the richest continent in the world in terms of mineral wealth, but it doesn't feel like that on the surface. So um, when we do business with the West, with the East, we should do so honestly and without being taken advantage of. We, we, we should be a country, a continent and a country of peace that is espoused in democratic principles and values and uh, subscribes to Pan-Africanism. So I'm a Pan-Africanist and I believe in African Renaissance, the full um, obtainance of African re- re- Renaissance. That is my vision where the guns are silenced. We need to silence the guns in the continent. We need to stop the conflicts and we need to stop fighting amongst ourselves at the behest of what would be the former master. Uh, we need to attain full freedom. Right now, we only have some semblance of political freedom in the continent. Uh, we, we need to believe in democracy fully where leaders are elected, not through, uh, put in office through the barrel of a gun. So the guns must be silenced and education must be the order of the day. Uh, an educated society is a peaceful society. So I would like to see free education in my continent, and I would like to see uh, free healthcare and um, um, access to opportunities for young people. 85% of our continent is women and children. Uh, and 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 if we are to give Africa an opportunity, we need to focus on uh, empowering young people and women. Uh, It is women in Africa who work the land most, but they are the biggest losers. So we need equality and equity uh, between women and men. And uh, we need young people to be given the platform to be innovative because young people are the ones who come up with ideas, who come up with innovation. So they must be given the education and opportunity so that they can display their potential instead of being given guns and drugs uh, to shoot each other. For those of you that have just tuned in, you're listening to Afro Verdict with your host, Victor Anakin. We are joined by Kulekanis Kosana, who has just shared his vision of the future of Africa, an Africa where the society is educated, healthy, peaceful, and united. Kulekani, so you were sanctioned by Ukraine in October of 2022. Is that right? I think so. I didn't get a letter or email, (laughs) but I saw it on the internet, yes. Let's talk about that. What were the reasons for the sanctions? My observer mission to uh, the Donbass um, uh, region, uh, to Crimea, um, yeah, so I I am not bothered by being uh, sanctioned by what is clearly a Nazi Nazi regime. There's nothing that I could do that would make those people uh, like me. Um, you know, the attitude of uh, Ukraine towards Africa has been very telling. It's only now in 2023, after 30 years, um, uh, where we have a foreign minister or minister of any sort from Ukraine visit Africa, 
they don't see us. I think we are subhuman to them. And um, really, I I'm, I don't care what they think. Um, what I do care about and what I do believe in, um, I'm a first-generation um victim of colonialism. I was born with the advent of democracy um, in, in, in 1994. And I've got a responsibility to protect democracy and to protect peace anywhere where we see oppression and segregation in the world. We will be uh, united with those people. As I told you in the beginning, that what has shown me uh, to be power, what has shown to be powerful for me is what people who are united can do. And anywhere where there is oppression, we will be united with those people, whether it's Western Sahara, whether it's Palestine, whether it's Cuba. Um, we stand in unity uh, with the people of Donbass who want self determination. For more than 300 years, Africans have espoused to unchain themselves from colonialism. So when we smell uh, oppression and colonial mentality and Nazism, we will stand against it, even at the expense of our personal um, profiles or names. So they can sanction me all they want because that puts me in the category of greats. I will become like a Mandela or Tabumbegi because that is the attitude that the Eurocentric um, regimes would have given those titles to revolutionaries. Uh, it will put me in the same category as President Robert Mugabe. Uh, uh, they killed Petrus Lumumba, at least with me, it's just sanctions. So uh, for me, those sanctions are medals. For me, those sanctions um, are badges of honor to say that I am standing on the right side of history. And this is what I believe young people should do. We should never keep quiet in the midst of injustice. Even if that injustice is 14,000 kilometers away from you, the same thing that uh, the people of um, Russia, the people of, uh, um, of African continent, the people of South America stood with us when nobody was willing to stand with us. And without international solidarity, we would have never attained freedom in my country and in the continent. So it would be very hypocr hypocritical for my people in South Africa to stand and watch while there is um, Nazism looming. Uh, in 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 Ukraine against um, uh, former Ukrainians of uh, Russian descent. So we believe in U United Nations statutes, and part of which is self determination. There's nothing wrong with wanting to your own identity, your own culture. And I stand here as um, a, a victor because my parents sacrificed everything they had for me to have an opportunity to be something. So uh, whenever the call uh, or the siren rings and demands that uh, we exercise our solidarity, our international so solidarity, you can count, count me in. And we're willing to take more medals because I don't see sanctions as, um, um, as, a, as something bad. I see them as something good because it means I'm saying the right things. Uh, I'm speaking the right language, yes. Thanks. And uh, tell me, what is your impression of the referendum? How's the trip to the Zaporozhye-Donbass region overall? Well, um, 
the revolution will will never be televised. And um, as the song goes, um, for us, it was very important because you would note that all the media and television and radio streams that would connect us to an authentic form of uh, information uh, from that region were cut off. Uh, through some embargo because there are people who are more powerful than governments and they cut off all communication channels between us and the people of um, uh, the Donbass region. Uh, so um, as much as atrocities took place in South Africa and many people did not know about the human rights violations which were be being committed against uh, South Africans at the time during apartheid because journalists were sort of barred from recording and taking record of some of the heinous crimes committed by the apartheid government. So we are not going to wait for television and radio to tell us what's happening in the Donbass. When we have the ability to, we will always go and be physically present with the people who are oppressed and hear from them. We, we felt that it's important not to be told by the Americans or the Russians or the Chinese, or the Europeans about what is happening in Donbass. It was important for us to go and hear from the people of Zaporizhia, of Kherson, of what is actually their opinion, because it seemed as if there's too many people speaking for them. So we went there, and what we discovered there is that those people overwhelmingly wanted to identify with the Russian Federation, and to an extent of saying that they want to be recognized as their own country. And we don't understand why there was an attempt to refuse them that opportunity. So we went there and the, their voices overwhelmingly stated to us that uh, Russia is not an attacker, but a defender of the defenseless because nobody was standing with them. Just like nobody stood with us in very hard times, nobody was standing with them. And it took the Russian Federation to make such a huge sacrifice. Russia has went through so much and uh, post the USSR, it was recovering its economy, everything. But they were still willing to sacrifice after losing more than 34 million Russian citizens during the World War II. They did not say, oh, no, the world owes us so much. They said, we will do it again. And we see them in action doing it again in defense of the people of Donbass, which is very inspirational, especially from a country where we were assisted by the Russian Federation, by the USSR. It was important for us to display solidarity with the people of Donbass who stood with us. Many of South African military generals and liberation heroes were trained in that region. So uh, as a young person who reads and studies about history, uh, we would not want history to um, uh, relive, you know, uh, we don't want history to repeat itself. And that's why if we must be part of stopping Nazism, we will be doing it all the time, anytime. It's actually my first time speaking to an observer from the referendum there. One of the first experiences for me. Thanks for that. Did your views on the Ukrainian situation change at all after you were sanctioned? Um, not at all. Um, but the the sanctions confirmed to me that um, I am on the right side of history. And like I said, I would uh, repeat my visit to the Donbass again, even knowing that there would be worse uh, sanctions against me. Um, I think um, so many people have put their 
lives on the line. Um, what are sanctions? People have sacrificed their lives. People are dying uh, for freedom and saying that uh, I would rather uh, lose my life um, and and in, instead of being uh, in chains. So um, my attitude has not changed. And um, the attitude of my country has not changed. We we stand on the side of the oppressed and we stand on the side of peace. And um, we think that the best form of a resolution uh, in the Russo-Ukraine conflict is dialogue. And um, we are shocked to see such an exodus of uh, amounts of weapons of uh, mass destruction that are being sent uh, to Ukraine with billions and billions um when we here in africa were struggling and we've been asking for help when the people of palestine are being bombarded by israel nobody's sending arms to them uh, so we 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 believe that there is um a, 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 a proxy war uh, and the people of ukraine uh, have chosen to be subjects of the americans and i mean their president is a war criminal because he says He's going to fight until the last Ukrainian, um, which is very bad because he forces people to fight in that war. And those are not principles of democracy. And this is not about the sovereignty of Ukraine, but it is about um, the status quo of preserving American hegemony as a superpower uh, in the world. And uh, we know what side the Americans took uh, they supported the apartheid regime. And everywhere where the American um, Uncle Sam has went with his weapons, he has left the ruins. You look at Libya, you look at Afghanistan, you look at Iraq. Uh, we will not be part of that evil vehicle. And we think that the people of Ukraine must come to their senses and realize that uh, they are being used as pawns uh, of a proxy war where America is trying to uh, dominate uh, the world by challenging the Russian Federation. So my views have not changed at all. I'm quite conscious. I read books and uh, I understand where we come from and I understand what we need to do to go where we need to go. And that is a free, peaceful, uh, sovereign world where there is multipolarity and there is respect of diplomatic independence and uh, uh, people are free and not told what to do and sacrifice their lives until the last Ukrainian. Speaking of diplomatic principles, we are now observing how the Western campaign against Russia continues. As recently, we saw another situation where the U.S. blatantly ignored diplomatic protocol and made accusations against South Africa of supplying arms to Russia. What's your take on this interference in independent South African foreign policy, just briefly? I mean, have you seen the type of sophistication that uh, is in the arsenal of the Russian Federation? Uh, I mean, what what were we going to put in the ship? Spears and Nopkiris? I don't understand what weapons they expected us to have. Um, between us and Russia, if there is somebody who needs military support, it's us. It's not the Russian Federation. The Russian Federation is the most powerful country on earth. I don't see a scenario where they need... Um, weapons from us. The best we can give the Russian people is Ubuntu. Maybe that's what we put uh, in, in the ship, but I don't think it's weapons. Um, the American ambassador plunged our country into crisis uh, by making those remarks. Um, 
But we know these people and they've lied many times. Uh, there's many instances where they said there will be war in Sentin, there will be terrorism. Every year they make these assertions and it seems like they are chasing away investments. They are chasing away business from our country. And we have told them that we don't appreciate the gun that they've put to the head of South Africa. And we think that if they believe in the democracy, which they preach so much, then they should do so in action by re respecting the sovereign state of South Africa and our diplomatic independence. What an amateur move by the ambassador to really ignore all protocols, uh, diplomatic channels by making those assertions, which tells us that underpinned in that press conference was an attempt to plunge us into crisis and they did so successfully. But like we have said, this is the same government which stood and supported militarily and, fin and financially the apartheid government. But till today, the African man still stands with all the support they would have given to the apartheid government, with all our heroes they would have killed, with all our heroes they would have incarcerated and um, disappeared. We still stand. Uh, before me, there was Solomon Mathangu, and after me, there will be someone else. They will never kill our yearning for freedom. They tried to enslave us by taking ships filled with lots of Africans to America. Today, you have kidnapped Africans to the tune of 45 million in the USA, but still we yearn for freedom. They will never kill what is in our heart, which is the love for our continent and for our, the love of our culture and being. Uh, you can never tame the African man. You can put us in chains, but we will unchain ourselves. You can do whatever you want. So we are not moved uh, uh, by those remarks, and we expect more kinds of remarks from the USA. But it is them who stand more to lose by uh, severing a relationship with South Africa, because it is them who plow our mineral resources. A preferred scenario would be them leaving our country, but they continue to steal and drain us dry. And uh, we think that uh, they should be really careful about the remarks they make in the future because uh, that might, might sway South Africa towards a direction that would be very undesirable. For now, we are saying that we are non-aligned and um, we do not appreciate intimidation by the U.S. Uh, government and we will never appreciate. We think that foreign military bases must leave the African continent because we do not have military bases in Mexico or in, in South America or in Europe. So we don't appreciate the presence of military might, AFRICOM, in, in, in Africa. So um, we insist on the respect uh, and not crossing the line of diplomatic independence and sovereignty. And this was not given us for free. It was not a favor. Freedom in 1994 was not a favor for us. We fought for it. So they must not think that we are not ready to fight. And as much as we don't have power, but we defeated them because we are not malicious. We we believe that the revolution is, is love and we are willing to give everything we have for our freedom. That was Kulekani Skosana, whose schooling experience inspired him to use his voice to promote change for the better of the South African youth. The Ukrainian sanctions imposed on him served as a motivation to continue the struggle for freedom of all peoples across the globe. 
Kolekani is an example of dedication to equality and equity of all societies, regardless of the nationality. Dear listeners, thank you for tuning in. I hope you found today's episode interesting, but most importantly, that you enjoyed it. I'd like to remind you that you can now listen to Afro Verdict podcasts on multiple platforms such as CastBox, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, Deezer, and AfriPods. Check out the Sputnik Africa Telegram channel to stay on top of local and global events. Stay safe and protect those around you. And until next time. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.